Richard Blissbrook here. We are live. We sit here today with none other than Mark Victor Hansen. Bob Proctor. This is Kendra Hall. Sonia Stringer. Jeff Canfield. Whit Jones. James Clear. Les Brown. People want to hear stories. I like getting stories out of my guests here. So thanks for joining us. Jesse McKinney is a force of nature and a rising star in the social selling space. After a prestigious stint at the University of Denver's business school, Jesse was awarded her master's in organizational leadership from Gonzaga. Go Zags! While dealing with a life-threatening pregnancy, Jesse caught the vision of what she needed to do with her life. Together with her sister and best friend, the idea for Red Aspen took root. They started with their mission, even before they knew what they were going to sell or how. To inspire women to stand up, stand out, and stand together by uniting passion with purpose. This declaration is the DNA of their business and led them to launch into a high-quality stick-on-lashes and press-on-nails business with social selling platform focused on fun, creativity, and courage. As CEO, Jesse has led the company to double-digit annual growth. She's been named one of Idaho's accomplished under 40 and an Idaho CEO of influence. Red Aspen was ranked number six in the country for Direct Selling University's 2022 Industry Awards. Join me as I sit down with Jesse and talk about her story. To say you'll be inspired is an understatement. Hi, Richard. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Authentic Networkers. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're so branded. Look at you. What You know what you just did? You just said, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> it was intentional, Richard. You got to show up. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Nobody's ever actually called me out on that before, though, but thank you. <laughs> You are so strategic. I love that. Grab my mug as well. Uh, can, can we get a close up of that? I'm going to close Red up. Aspen in there a purple you know. cup. Exactly. I don't know. If I was sitting in the room. I might have said, you know, it needs to be a red cup. Totally. But you know what? You got to have all of those colors. You do. Hey, yeah. everybody. This is Jesse McKinney, my good friend, the CEO and co founder of Red Aspen in. Boise, Idaho, and um, she is, well, no pun intended, one of the darlings of the direct selling profession. She's on all the stages sharing her story because she and her partners have cracked the code about how to grow a company socially and e-commerce and fun and love and new product development, which she'll talk about. Uh, and they're setting records and having fun and changing lives. And I first met Jesse at a direct selling university um, annual meeting and got a chance to listen to her tell her story and we've become friends. And so I thought we should share your story, Jesse, with my audience, the authentic networker group, because we're all about building networks authentically. And I know you are too. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And before we get started, I have something. And you would think that I uh, <laughs> and it is, if I recall correctly, should be all marked up right here at yeah. the beginning. And you gave this to me the first time we met in person. Yeah, it's a good business card. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you read it, Jesse? Um, well, I've read it. <laughs> I don't see a lot of yellow highlighting and post-it notes in it. That's oh my because God. you only saw the first page. Okay, got it. <laughs> hey, um, tell everybody your story. Uh, you know, yeah. you're highly educated, which is not necessarily the norm in direct selling. Yeah. Undergrad, business, Denver, yeah, and a master's in. Uh, yeah. organizational leadership which sounds appropriate from the heady school of gonzaga mm -hmm. yeah so i want people to hear your story and uh one of the parts of the story that i think are relevant to all of us as adults and business people is who were we as kids so can you tell everybody a little bit about growing up in your household oh my gosh yeah um so i was born in boise idaho um, just down the street from where I am right now. Um, I actually grew up in the direct sales industry. So I went to my first, um, direct sales event, I think in the sixth grade, to be fair. Um, my dad went to the event and it was at Disney world, which is why I went, but I still, it was back when they did all the booths and you got all of the free product. And yeah. so I got to go to all of those booths. Um, and I got, oh my gosh, so much Mary Kay product, like lipsticks and all of these things. And from that moment, I got to tell you, I was just hooked, totally hooked. Um, so like I said, I kind of grew up around the industry. My my dad is um, an attorney in the industry. And um, every day after school, I would actually go to his office and hang out there for a couple of hours. And I just got to hear all kinds of, you know, kind of by happenstance, just cool stories, interesting things that are happening, way more regulation than I ever wanted to hear, which I think really highly impacted me um, and how I wanted to be as a company. Um, I think it's really impacted us to be the most ethical company that we can possibly be to focus on a uh, customer experience. You um, have to be with your dad. You have, you have, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you can't get in any trouble. <laughs> we, we joke a little bit that, um, you know, sometimes it goes past like attorney, uh, you know, like client and into like the parent child where I'm like, we'll talk, right. talk later. I'll talk to you later. Um, so yeah, I grew up in that, you know, my mom was a, um, a hospital executive. And so I got to learn a lot about leadership um, from her and the people that she sent and then, or that she set for, for my sister and myself. And my sister is actually one of my business partners along with our dear friend, Amanda Moore. Um, and don't, and, don't, don't go, don't skip over your mom. I'm, she's I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to skip over her. She's the, um, she just retired um, and she ended her career. And I think this is just sort of the perfect way to explain her. She was the CEO of a billion dollar healthcare system in Missouri. So um, gosh, you know, I just had these tremendous parents that I think really set an example Um for me. And, you know, one of the coolest things, at least that I feel just so inspired by and lucky, just really, really lucky is I never had parents that told me I couldn't do something. I had parents that, you know, set the example, paved the way and said, you can do anything you put your mind to um, and we'll support you in that. Um, but we expect a lot of you. So there is definitely some pressure, you know, but um, it was pressure in the best kind of way. It was the pressure that inspired you to be your best. So I was really, right. really fortunate in that. Yeah, beautiful. So um, that's, of course, why you got such a stellar education is 
you really didn't have a choice. (laughs) They were like, well, you are, I mean, I remember, um, you know, as a kid, um, you know, the expectation, like, like not pursuing a higher education, it just, it just wasn't an option. It was just kind of a, it was, it was a, it was a given. Um, and I've really tried to set that example with my kids as well. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So I remember, uh, I don't remember where I was. Might've been a phone call or we might've been in Salt Lake city doing something. I don't remember, but when your dad told me, Hey, my daughter's thinking about starting a direct selling company. Um, Mm -hmm. so tell everybody the story about like how that got incubated, where the idea came from, just pretty yeah. courageous, right? To just, it's one thing to oh, let's start a company. It's another thing to actually do it. Totally. It was nuts, Richard. It was totally nuts. Um, so after college, I did go work for an incredible direct sales company and learned so much. Um, and I ended up taking a step back there when I was pregnant with my second child. Um, my Who did you work for? I worked for Sensi. Great oh, company. Yeah. Amazing company. Orville yeah. And- Orville and Heidi are just yeah. wonderful, yeah. wonderful people. Um, and, you know, sometimes um, I think I look back on that experience. And that's actually where I met my partner, Amanda. Um, and I look back on that experience and just the the way that they ran their company always really inspired me, you know, to be to be ethical, to live by your values, Um and, and I think that that was a really, obviously, very formative experience. And I think that I had a, a love for direct sales going into that job, and I had a passion for direct sales upon leaving that job. Um, but I took the, or I made the decision to step back um, when I was pregnant with my second son. And gosh, it was two weeks into my, you know, staying at home. I don't want to call it a retirement because being a stay-at-home mom was easily the hardest job I have ever had. Um, but into, you know, leaving my, my career at Sensi, um, that I had one of the scariest moments of my entire life. I was, um, I was riding my bike. I was about 22, 23 weeks pregnant at this point, I believe. Um, I was riding my bike in downtown Boise and, um, all of a sudden I just started bleeding. I, it was one of the scariest things. Um, And I called my husband and I said, I need you to not panic, but I need you to come pick me up. Here's what's going on. And um, he, he did that, which I'm so thankful he didn't panic (laughs) because I was panicking. Um, And we ended up going to the hospital and that kind of kicked off this really, really challenging journey for the second half of that pregnancy Um, without going into all of the details. We didn't, we honestly didn't know if my son was going to make it. And the way that the pregnancy had transpired, transpired, if I had gone into labor, I would have died. So I was in the hospital a lot. Um, I was on bed rest in the hospital. Um, and the first night that I was in the hospital, we really didn't know what was going on. And I was all alone. We didn't have family that was, that was living here. Um, and my husband was at home with, um, my then almost two-year-old, um, and so that night I was in my hospital bed and I got on my, on my phone and I just opened the notes app and I wrote a letter to my son, Jack, who, like I said, was almost two at this point. And I just listed out all of the things that I wanted him to do with his life. I wanted him to do the absolute best he could with his God-given abilities. I wanted him to, you know, be a positive influence in the world. I wanted him to be able to inspire and love other people. Um, 
and just be a really good human being. Honestly, it kind of makes me tear up just every time I think about this. Um, and anyway, fast forward through the terrible pregnancy, fast forward through all of these things. And now I'm at home, like I said, being a stay-at-home mom, hardest job I've ever had. In fact, I now say, do you, when I ask another woman, I say, do you work outside the home? Because it is a full-time job when you are at home with your babies, with your kids. Um, and I'm at home and I'm pulling my hair out. I've got two under the age of two. They're both in diapers. And I distinctly remember I was in the um, I was like right outside of our bathroom and I was looking for something in my notes and I came upon this letter that I wrote to Jack and I read it and I thought to myself, crap, <laughs> am I doing the things that I wanted him to do? Am I modeling the behavior that I wanted Jack and my children to follow if I weren't there? Because I think it's in your darkest moments when you say, here are the things that are really important to me. And then when you're out of those dark moments, you're like, we're fine. You know, you kind of like fall back into those, into those ruts. And I just realized, you know, I have the ability to model the behavior that I want to model for my children. And I didn't actually, you know, one of the misconceptions I think that's out there when I talk to people is they think that I set out to, we set out to start a direct sales company. It's actually not what it was at all. Um, we set out, we had a mission statement before we had a product, uh, before we had a sales channel fully formed. And that mission was to inspire women to stand up, stand out and stand together by uniting passion with purpose. And yeah, so that is, that's a great mission statement. Yeah. So we got to work. This was probably around November of 2016. Um, and in January of 2017, my little sister Jeannie um, and our dear friend Amanda, who had also um, recently left at this point, um, we, uh, Jeannie quit her job, uh, moved up to Boise, moved into a little apartment in downtown Boise, which had a workspace below it, which was our office. Um, and we signed a partnership agreement and we got going. And then we launched Red Aspen in October of 2017. We had, oh my gosh, Richard, we had no money. We had no money. We had a little bit of, I guess we had a little bit of money. We had big dreams. Jeannie was living in our warehouse and I remember how scary it was turning everything, you know, opening up our, our little sparkly corner of the internet is what we call it on day one in October of that year. Um, and yeah, it's been just such a journey from there. Yeah. But we, you know, we're totally, we put every dollar that we had into Red Aspen basically um, to fund this. And um we totally own it. We don't have any outside investors. We it's it's us. We get to call the shots, which is great now, but it was not without its struggles. Right. Yeah. Self-funding, unless you have a few million dollars. Hard. Pretty tough. Hard. Pretty tough. Real hard. Real hard. So what, what how did the how did the vision of the company evolve to what you were gonna sell and how you're gonna sell it? Because you've landed now. I don't know if it started that way, but you've landed now in a really specific niche and strategy. How did that evolve? Yeah. So uh, I think that in business there is, you have to have an element of strategy and you would probably be able to speak to this even better than I could, but you have to have strategy, but it always helps when you have a little bit of luck that comes along 
to help you out. Um, and that was the case in 2017. So we actually, I think what we're known for is our um, press on nails, but we didn't launch with that product. Actually, we launched with a line of, um, I think we had a total of eight SKUs. We had six foam ink and silk strip eyelashes, one lash applicator and one lash glue. That was it. Like I said, we didn't have any money when we started. Um, so there wasn't money for inventory. We actually put most of our money into systems. Um, and that was pretty much it. But we launched with those products, with our lash products. And I think it was incredibly strategic because we looked out at the market and we said, you know, we had decided to go the direct sales model at this point. We said that can really support our mission statement and what we're trying to do as an organization. Um, but we looked out at the market and we said, there is not a single direct sales company out there that offers strip lashes. Um, there aren't a lot of places that you can go and get really quality lashes. Like you can't just go to a big box retailer and get the kind of lashes that you could get at like a Sephora. And it's the perfect product for reps because there's a learning element that goes with it. Um, so there was an element of strategy in launching that as our first product. But there's also an element of luck because about, I'm going to say 20, 25 days after we launched, Pinterest um, declared or declared all things lashes, like strip lashes, their beauty product of the year. And our algorithm went nuts because they were picking up everything that we were putting out there. Um, and so uh, lashes was our, it's our flagship product. Um, we are building an entire beauty line, but what we're really known for is our press on nails. And I have to tell you, if there's a piece of advice I could give to anyone that's 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 watching, whether you're a rep, whether you're starting a company, it's to have an open mind. So we had come up with this idea for press on nails because, again, we looked out at the market and we were like, the only place you can buy them is like a drugstore. Um, the the quality at the drugstore is not great. And we know that we can do this better than anybody else. Like we know we can do it. Um and so we went to our field and we said, hey, here's this survey. Um, please rank all of the things that you'd like us to launch. And nails were dead last. Then we had an event that fall where we said, guess what? We're doing nails. And literally everyone looked at us like we had three heads. And they were like, no, we're not selling that. We launched Press on Nails on, I believe it was November 1st of 2018. And we had a total of five or six SKUs and we sold out of all of them within seven days. And well, we wait were a minute. Wait a minute. everybody <laughs> wants to know now if the survey said press on nails are dead last, what's going on in the conference room that you brilliant three ladies decided we're gonna make Let's it, it anyway? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that to um to be fair to the individuals that were taking the survey, it's not like we elaborated, right? You think nails, because we didn't even tell them press on nails. We just said nails. Maybe okay. they thought nail polish. Maybe they thought drugstore okay. press on nails, right? Like nails were sort of dead last. So we didn't give them a lot of vision. I don't even think we really totally knew where we wanted to go. But we did look at it and we just went, let's swing for the fences and just see what happens. Because this could be really, really cool. So I... Again, you can go with data, but I think you also have to go with your gut and with your common sense as well. Right. So the you whole, launched them and you sold out. Yeah. Sold out. <laughs> oh my gosh, that launched a 
crazy time period where we knew we had just a phenomenal skew on our hands. Um, and we were like, you know, we could do a lot of cool things with this. And so we immediately went into product development mode. We immediately, you know, went into how to our suppliers to say, how quickly can we get more? Um, because it's the holidays at this point, right? Like the holidays are there. It's November 1st. It's the first week of November and we're out of inventory. Um, and so I think we were able to get um, inventory there in time for Christmas, but it was I mean, I don't think we made a dime on any of that because we had expedited, air freighted, all of that. But we just knew we had to get product into her pocket, into her hands to keep this going. Um, And also the opportunity was there, right? People, I think when you start to see something, you have to catch that flame. You can't just sit on it. Um, that's something that you and I have talked about, right? Like how can you inspire? We always say her, um, our, our field is 99% women. So we always talk about her. What is the best thing for her? What should we do for her? And sometimes those decisions involve not making a dime on our end, but we know that it'll pay off on the back end because if she's happy when she wins, we win. Right. And when you live by that, it's so much easier. So to go back to that year and say, gosh, we're out of inventory. What can we do to get it here? And again, we don't really have any money at this point. Um, every dollar, we haven't even taken a salary. We didn't take a salary for the first two and a half years um, to say every dollar that is coming in right now is going to go back into inventory and we're just going to get it here. And we're just going to bank on her and that she is capable, incredible, trained, inspiring, You know, can sell, um, can lead, and when you, I think we, we just have the most incredible, incredible reps and they, I, I give them so much credit in that entire, in that entire process, because they were the ones that genuinely, like we gave them the product and they went out and just crushed it. Okay. Well, let's, let's pivot to reps. So okay. who was your first rep? Um, Gosh, our first rep was officially our first rep was, I mean, it was family and friends. Our first rep was my, our partner, Amanda, Amanda Moore's sister, Amber, I think is rep number one in the system. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Rep number one to thousands. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I want you to talk about is the culture because products is one thing and you had, you know, we could talk about your product strategy we can come back to it. Um, I don't know if you're still on the launching a new product every week kind of program, but that's kind of crazy. But I want people to hear about the culture that you've created with the women and oh. how that ties to your mission statement. And what what have you done in the last three or four years to just attract the kind of women you want to attract and the kind of energy that you want to attract? What do you do to inspire that? Yeah. So we kick off every one of our meetings here at our treehouse, which is our corporate office. We always try to be really playful. So you call your corporate office the treehouse. The treehouse. You got it. Um, Every one of our meetings here at the treehouse, every one of our um, rep meetings, we call them brand ambassadors. um, We kick off every single one of our meetings with our mission statement to inspire women to stand up, stand out, and stand together by uniting passion with purpose. You 
would be heart. In fact, I guarantee you there is not a team member here at the Treehouse that does not know our mission statement by heart. Wow, and right. I think you would be hard pressed to find a brand ambassador who's been here for more than, or, you know, for, for more than two months that also doesn't know that mission statement by heart. So I want to call that out, Jesse, because you and I have talked about that before. And that is so significant because mm -hmm. we could, we could go to the, from the top down, you know, we could start at, uh, Amway. Mm. And I don't know what Amway's mission statement is. I don't even know if they have one. But if they have one, uh, we could be rest assured their staff and distributors don't know what it is. Mm. Maybe one out of 100, right? So it's yeah. just the opposite. And yeah. then you could go to Herbalife and New Skin and all the way down. Why? Because the paradigm is, the norm is that companies crank these things out. And, you know, they're mm -hmm. checking the box because somebody right. said, well, you got to have a mission statement. But that's where it ends up is in the box. On a wall and, somewhere. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you have made it your mission to make sure that everybody owns it. Totally. And that makes you not one out of a hundred companies, Jesse. That makes you one out of maybe a thousand, maybe five thousand. You know, it was like I said, that mission is just so important to us. Um, we had that before we even had our product. We had that before we had our sales channel. We, Every decision that we make is based on our mission. And when we say her, what's the right thing for her? I think her has become this really great um, way to talk about our mission. You know, how can we inspire her? How can we make sure that she is, you know, fulfilling her her passion and her purpose. And we always say, you know, how can we help you fuel your passion so you can live your purpose? Like Red Aspen's not your purpose, right? right. Like we're not your purpose in life. Your family is your purpose, but we can help you um, fuel the passion that you have, um, whether you want to do this business part-time, quarter-time, half-time, full-time, whatever that is, we can help you do that. Um, we can give you the systems, we can give you the products, we can give you, you know, all of all of the things that you're going to need to be successful. Um, so you can spend more time doing the things that you love. Right. Like, how that's, you, that's our how do you tackle the subject of money. So we're talking all around. money. Yeah. yeah. But somewhere in there. Yep. Uh, okay. Are we talking about money here? <laughs> we are. We're talking about money. I mean, and, and, and let's be honest, this is not a social club. Right. And, and I say that this is not this is not a social club. This is a, a business at the end of the day. Um, so when we set out, you know, we had the the advantage of having a lot of people around us that knew the industry, having industry experience. Um, and one of the things that we saw in the industry that we wanted to tackle was sales. A sales track. So our compensation plan actually has a sales track where you make 25 to 35% based on your sales, right? It's not like 20% on your first couple thousand and then you get a pay bump. It's you get 25% right there and you can earn up to 20 or up to 35% in your commissionable period, um, which is just a month, right? So we pay monthly. Um, and having a sales track allowed us, I think, to do two things. That inspired that are inspired by our mission. Um, one, I think that it released a lot of people from pressure 
feeling like they needed to come in and build a team immediately, feeling mm-hmm. like they needed to come in and build a team in order to make any kind of money immediately. And I think what it allowed allows people to do, listen, like we are not going to be the company that says like, come in, get rich quick. Like, no, you are going to have to work and it is going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of work. And I'm going to be upfront with you on that. And so is every other person here. Um, but I think what's been really interesting is that sales track and getting paid on our sales track we found that like high sales actually are indicative of someone who will come in and sponsor a lot of people. And so it's been interesting. And I think one of the unforeseen consequences of having a sales track and a team track, like we actually have sales titles you can earn every month and team titles you can earn every Mm -hmm. month is people come in and they're like, you know what? It's I love Red Aspen because they have this sales track and I'm just going to go in And I'm just going to do the sales track. And then all of a sudden they start building a team and they're like, oh, this isn't so it's like a stepping stone. Right. And then all of a sudden they have this team and then they're like, well, I could be a leader. And then all of a sudden they're a leader. And then before they know it, they're like, what just happened? What just happened? How am I a leader here? Right. Um, So I think the sales track, having those two tracks, a sales track and a team building track has just been incredible. We were also one of the first, we might have been the first company to come out with an affiliate model as well, um, which is a whole other topic of conversation. But yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> um, money one more time. Yeah. Um, how do you, is it an issue when you're coaching and leading women, is it an issue for them to embrace abundance, embrace money, mm-hmm. embrace, embrace income, is that something uh, from a coaching standpoint that you deal mm-hmm. with or are the ladies that you're attracting, they're coming with an abundance attitude and yeah. they're, they're okay with making money? I think, you know what, Richard, that is such a good question. I, I've never been asked that question before. And I'm glad you gave me a couple of options because I see it across the spectrum. Um, I recently had a leader tell me, she said, you know, a decision had been made maybe two years ago. She had made a decision about something with her team. And about a, a couple of months ago, she shared with me, you know, two years ago, I wasn't thinking about this as like a business. Um, and she said, and today I am. But then you've also got the individuals who come in and they are very business minded. They are, they know exactly what they're doing. Maybe they have some experience in this industry and they look at the comp plan and they start mapping it out. Right. And so I think that there's a wide variety. There's a spectrum of comfort as it relates to having conversations about money. Um, I once had a mentor uh, who I just loved and she told me something that just made me laugh. Um, She said, you know, Jesse, they say that money can't buy happiness. But the fact of the matter is, is that those people just don't know where to shop. <laughs> and, and so at the end, like I said it before, right, this is a business, right? And, and is there a social component to that? Is there a cultural component to that? Of course. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't make money here, you're not going to stay, right? And every company has their own data to talk about how much someone needs to make if they're going to stay and what that looks like. Um, but I want to talk about money in a different way for just a second, which is the dollar per hour proposition. Um, When we first got to launch, we had a number of industry experts tell us that, you know, it, you don't have a high enough price point product. And um, 
you know, like if someone has a party, which we call a pop-up, or if they're selling individual units, they're only going to make so much money. Um, and we said, well, that's fine because they're doing it all online, right? So instead of having a traditional home party where you have to get food and clean the house and show up and coach the hostess and all of that, we have leaders that train and talk about Facebook parties, Instagram pop-ups, right? So now all of a sudden you've got 10,000 10, people in a Facebook group and you're doing a pop-up for them. And your dollar per hour proposition has shot way up because you're making all of these sales because you can get so many more people together. You can get so many more eyes on you consistently. And that's been something that we've really leaned into as a strategy here at Red Aspen is how can we get our dollar per hour proposition built up where you're spending time, but you're making more, even though we have lower priced products. We're not offering the $100 skin cream. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So that's awesome. Leverage through social media. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I imagine people still love to get together in the home and show products and have fun, but that's labor intensive and doesn't leverage very well. So blend of the two. Pretty totally. awesome. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much, um, do you know what PST is? Uh, Pacific Standard Time. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd stump you because I made it up. Uh, PST stands for personal spending threshold, which mm. is a concept that that I have used to talk to women mostly. Of course, it applies to men and women, but mostly women about their motive for getting involved in some sort of entrepreneurial enterprise. And what it stands for, personal spending threshold, what it means is how much money can you spend, lady, Mm -hmm. let's say on any given item or in any given month without explaining it or telling your husband. Oh, That's your personal spending threshold. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, and you know what it is for almost every lady? So it's in a month? Well, you can, you yeah. can package it a couple of different ways, but I usually say in a month. So like it shows up on the credit card or maybe it's like, an item is often a better way per purchase. Okay. It's between 50 and a hundred dollars. Interesting. I was going to guess like a hundred dollars. Yeah. Between yeah. 50 and a hundred dollars per item. And so I've, I found in working with ladies that, that they don't see it, they don't articulate it that way. They don't think about it that way. But when we start talking about it, they're like, Oh wow. Yes. There's this shame and this sort of, yeah you know, financial paradigm that I have to live in where there's, a, you know, oh, well, yeah, I can probably get away with spending $50. But if I spend $500, no, that's a family meeting. Right? Totally. And women are going to put, you know, their families first. Yeah. Right. You know, time and time again, we, 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 that's just who I think a lot of women are is we're going to spend the excess money on our kids, on their activities, we don't usually put ourselves first, whether it's our time, our health, our, you know, our, our finances, we, we are usually dead last. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, I know you do, um, success stories. You can name names oh if you gosh. want, um, so but <laughs> one or two come to mind about women that have broken through, broken out, changed yeah. their lives, changed their families' lives. Not necessarily. A, I'm not asking about how much money people made, but yeah. Well, and you know, 
that I have to start this or Spencer or Reese, my dad would be upset with me if I didn't say income disclosure statement first. You can find yeah. that on our website. Yeah. Well, we'll put a link to it right here. There That's you right. go. <laughs> Hashtag income disclosure statement. Um, but yeah, I mean, the power of direct sales is it's un, it's it's unbelievable. The stories that I can tell you, you know, I have so many that come to mind, but there's one story um, I think that just illustrates so well the power of this business. Um, there is a woman um, and her, she, she didn't have any direct sales experience. She didn't have like a large Instagram following or anything like that. And her, she and her husband um, were in a situation where her husband was talking about re-enlisting so they could meet ends need. And that probably meant a deployment for him. Um, and they, they'd already done that. You know, he was already a really experienced, um, I, I believe he was in the army, I want to say. Um, but he, he served our country um, and he had already done so much. And this was a way for him to support their family. And she started her Red Aspen business. She had started it a couple of months prior, I think. And she just said, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go all in. And I don't want our family to split up again. And um, she's probably within our top, I'm going to say 25 paid reps. But her husband was able to not re-enlist again. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he, he served his country. He was there. It was He, he wanted to serve his family. And those are the types of stories that get you. Like these are the stories that give you the, the the bug, that bring you in, that make you think this is powerful and women can do this and people can do this, right? Like we have the ability to inspire, to change lives, um, to uplift lives. Um, and so those stories are just the ones I think that really stick with me to say, wow, I'm so proud of our mission. And I'm so proud that we can inspire women to work together and to be, you know, rooted together um, and lead. You know, I think women in leadership is so important. And um, those are the stories that get you, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so what has uh, Jesse learned about Jesse in the last three or four years from oh. an idea, a courageous idea with two partners, which, you know, you probably can't imagine doing it alone, but, you know, I, I always advise people when they say, well, I'm thinking about bringing in a partner. I said, you might want to think twice about that. Yeah, definitely. No, for sure. My What, what have you learned about you, about your own journey that is yeah. life-changing for you? Well, I have to first shout out Jeannie and Amanda, my partners. Amanda is our chief operating officer and Jeannie is our chief strategy officer. And they are wildly talented. And everything you just said, I mean, man, did we get lucky. The three of us are able to have disagreements and respect each other, love each other, support each other. And, and honestly, I, I couldn't do, we couldn't have done this without each other. We are all totally different people as well, which I think really, really helps. We have completely different skill sets. Um, what I've learned about me is that I'm stronger than I think I am. Um, I can do hard things. <laughs> I can do harder things than I even thought possible. But I think the thing that I've really learned about myself in terms of like strengths and weaknesses is I'm, I have a lot of really 
big ideas. And that's kind of my my superpower is I, I like to think and I like to have ideas and I, I am a really good problem solver. Um, and I love people. <laughs> um, and so I think the thing that I've learned is that you can find any, there, there's a solution to every single problem. It's just a matter of, do you have the time? Do you have the talent or do you have the money to conquer that solution? And if you don't have one of those things, then come up with a new solution. Um, but I think the thing that I've learned is that I'm, I'm really good at coming up with strategies that solve problems. I'm really good at coming up with new ideas. I'm courageous. I'm not, a I'm not, we're not afraid to try new things. Um, but I think those are the positive things I've really learned about myself. There are also those things where you're like, what did I learn about myself that I'm not good at? Right. Um, I think that I have the ability to lead people. I'm not a great manager. I, and everyone here would tell you that, you know, I'm not great at managing the day to day. I'm not great at managing the, the process. I constantly want to break out of it. I don't like being confined by it. Um, and I think those are the, the, the opportunities that I have to be a better leader is to be better with process. But you know what? I'm surrounded by people that are phenomenal operationally. Right. And that's, yeah. that's helpful. Is there anything that you've done in the last three or four years or you're contemplating doing uh, personal growth wise to support this journey? Something unique, something you've never done before, some kind of experience or program or seminar or book or podcast or well, where, um, where, where, where do you get your planning on reading Mach 2? You're planning on reading. <laughs> Where did you dig that out of? <laughs> you know what's funny, Richard, is that it's been right by me. It's on my list of books to read. It is literally right by me. It's been by me for two years, if I'm being honest with you. I'm, I'm going to recommend it for, I have book club on Friday with some friends. I'm going to recommend it for book club. You better read it first. You might not like it. <laughs> um, besides, uh, besides that book. Yeah, yeah. Anything? Are you doing anything? Have you done anything? Do you like, plan what is to it do for anything? personal development? Gosh, you know, that's a really good question. I think that um, I'm going to give a, a quick shout out to Stuart Johnson really quick. You know, I think he really um, encouraged us to be more active with, with DSN. And that's been a great source of information for, for me. Um, you know, I came into this thinking I'd never go back to school. Um, you know, I got my master's degree and sometimes I think, huh, that would be, that would be fun. That would be interesting. That would be a, that would, there are a lot of things to learn out there. Um, I'm not sure that I'll ever do that specifically. Um, one of, but, but maybe one day, maybe in like retirement one day, like when I'm a little older, um, one of the things that's been incredibly helpful is as an executive team, we hired a leadership coach mm -hmm. and he is just so thoughtful and helpful. And it's really great to have someone that you can call if you're thinking, I just, I just need help, right? I just need someone who maybe isn't in the weeds, who can just help me get high level, who can help me think about things. Um, this who is it? His name is Levi. He's he's wonderful. Um, he also helped us reframe our entire like strategic goal setting process, um, mm -hmm. and has been very 
uh, how will I say it? Um, accommodating, understanding, and um, kind along the way, because I think we tend to go off a lot and he'll say, you know, we're right where we need to be. Um, and that's, that's, that's been helpful. But in terms of, you know, when we set out, we were like, let's just get launched. Let's get started. And the more you grow, the more you realize there has to be structure. There has to be the ability to plan or you're just going to be sort of floating along, but you can't let your plans dictate everything that you're going to do. You have to allow yourself to be nimble along the way. So um, we implemented um, objectives and key results, OKRs, um, mm -hmm. and we do that three times a year. We do that in January. We do that in June. We just got finished um, with that. And then we do it again um, in September. And we put together our OKRs for that, you know, third of the year. Um, and those OKRs feed up into our larger or the key results, those KRs feed up into our larger organizational objectives. And all of our departments do that. Um, one of the other things that we've really started doing is we we started a Red Aspen management program ramp here. Um, and so we have a lot of, you know, young leaders, um, green leaders, and we put people through this program. Um, you know, and that's been really, really fun to be a part of as well. And we have different speakers that come in. So it's not just about like investing in us. It's about investing in our team as well. Yeah, beautiful. I yeah. love that. Yeah. So is the vision to become Mary Kay-ish oh, or what, yeah. is the, what is the long-term vision? I have a medium-term vision for you that I want to share. So um, the long-term, I guess, you know what? I will start with the long-term vision. The long-term vision is we want to build a legacy company here. We want to build a company that our, our brand ambassadors, our reps, that they can leave to their daughters. You know, this, this is something where we, we are in it. We, we want people to have their legacy and we want it to be with Red Aspen. We are investing so heavily right now to the next step. 2020 caught us with our hair on fire. I'll be honest with you. We, we grew that year, almost 900%. Yeah. Um, because women couldn't go to the salon to get their nails done or their eyelashes done. I couldn't, we couldn't sell a lipstick to save our lives, but we couldn't keep nails stocked, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, you know, we're investing so heavily right now for, for the next step. I, I don't ever want to experience 2020 again where we're not ready to support the people who are living our mission and who are inspired by that mission. And so a couple of things that we're doing right now, we are about a mile and a half up the road from where I am right now. We are building our brand new tree house, our brand new corporate office. So we'll be moving in there this year. This lovely office that I'm in right now, I actually share with our chief financial officer. Um, so we're building a huge, beautiful new building and it's ours. And we're so yeah. excited to have that. Um, so one of the medium term goals that I want to talk about, you know, long term, we want to be a legacy company, medium term, what are we trying to do? So many things. We are upgrading all of our technology. Um, we are, which is a whole other conversation that could take hours in and of itself. Um, we are um, building out our beauty brand. You know, for those that aren't into nails, we want to be some, we want to be a company where a woman can come and she can see herself, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's what we want to be. Um, we used to talk about our medium term goal 
in terms of revenue. Um, so we would say we want to be a hundred million dollar company. We want to do a hundred million in revenue in our calendar year. And there was just something not quite mission oriented about that statement because we thought that that statement spoke to the company, to us, but it didn't speak to her. It didn't speak to what we are trying to achieve. And so our uh, finance team did a little bit of analysis and they said, you know what, to be a hundred million dollar company, that means that we need to have 25,000 paid brand ambassadors, brand ambassadors getting a check every month. And we went, oh, light bulb moment. Like that is the medium term goal right now is to have 25,000 women get paychecks from Red Aspen every single month, because that is what is going to support our mission statement. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. And long-term Mary Kay-ish. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <clears throat> so Jesse, last question as we wrap this sure. up, because we're right on time, is a lot of women watching, listening. Um, and you know, some watch live. Most people watch and listen to this weeks and months after the interview. The cool thing about these is they have um, a lifespan indefinitely. Somebody could be listening to this five or 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you're speaking to one woman, mm -hmm. One young lady, one middle-aged lady, one elderly lady, one lady who's looking to see herself. What would you tell her in 30 seconds to a minute about her and about what's possible? I am talking to you. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to tell yourself that you can do hard things. The life that you want is possible and you have the ability, you are capable, you are in control of the outcome of your journey. You have all of the tools that you need to be successful and you can lead your family to that dream that you have in your head because you are capable. Yeah, I love it. <clears throat> you can do hard things. I so Jesse, you can do hard things. You can so do it. If, if people want to find you, I don't think you're hard to find. But hard to if find. People want to find you. Where do you want them to go? Go to redaspenlove.com. You can also find us on Instagram at redaspenlove. We're on Facebook. We're on uh, TikTok. You can find us all over the place. Let me, let me get my link in here so they can go to my land. I must have a link somewhere. <laughs> Jesse McKinney, you are a gem. Thank you so much for so sharing with our audience. Authentic networkers, share this with your teams, share this on your channels and listen to it or watch it again because you're going to pick up things you didn't hear the first time if you watch it and listen to it two or three times. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks, Richard.